welcome to the Daily Reprieve, where we provide essays, speaker meetings, workshops, and conferences in podcast format. We are an ad-free podcast. If you enjoy listening, please help us be self-supporting by going to donate.thedailyreprieve.com and drop a dollar or two into the virtual basket. Please consider donating monthly by clicking the Donate Monthly button. However, one-time donations are always welcome. Just click the Donate Now button. Now, without further ado, this episode of The Daily Reprieve. Okay, good morning, everybody. Uh, my name is Larry, and I'm a sexaholic. And uh, I welcome you to this uh, first of our uh, leads this weekend. Uh, and um, I just going to say a word or two about Stu because I don't know him from Adam. <laughs> I talked to him on the phone, got him set up to do this, and uh, when I saw him here yesterday, I recognized him because I've been to seven or eight conferences, nine or ten conferences, and recognized a lot of people that I don't know who they are, which I'm sure is true for many of us. Um, at any rate, uh, the committee kind of felt like uh, Stu might be a good person to tell his story because... Uh, he had some lengthy sobriety, seven, eight, nine years, I don't know what, uh, he'll tell you. And uh, not that that means anything in itself, because it doesn't. But talking to him on the phone sounded like, you know, I don't even know this guy, but just the attitude, the tone, the feeling, the, the word. He's got something I want. I think there's, there's something here to latch hold of. And I uh, think I know what that is. But the details about that I don't know, and that's what we're going to hear this morning. So with that, I'll give you Stu. And uh, this is a taped meeting, and uh, that's the end of it. When Stu's done, we're done. Okay. Thanks, Larry. Uh, my name's Stu. I'm a sexaholic. Hi, Stu. September 20th, 1990 is my sobriety date, uh, by the grace of God. Um, I'm I'm a big big uh, honeymooners fan. If it, if, who who here likes the honeymooners at all? Some people hate it, but yeah, a few people. Uh, so when I was thinking about what I'd say today, I, I decided that I would uh, say it brings a tear to my eye and a lump to my throat to, to be asked to speak today. Uh, that didn't go too well. Okay, uh, that, that, that's <laughs> that, that's uh, Ralph Grandin. Um, not really my sponsor or, or anyone that I emulate in the program, uh, but someone who I find funny. Um, I, something I've, I've liked, I would like to try something seriously that I haven't um, done before, and that's um, that. Yeah, Larry just said share my experience, strength, and hope, and that was pretty much it. In fact, the topic "Victory Through the Grace of God" was just. He said, "What would you call your story, or whatever?" And, and I said. Stop for a second. I said, how about victory through the grace of God? Uh, okay, I'll speak up a little bit louder. Um, so, a big part of my, um, as a way of introducing my, the way it was, uh, as well as my, to share my experience, strength, and hope, um, I, I wanted to share that I was reading ancient literature the other morning, just like three or four days ago, and that because that's a real, real big part of my um, connection with God, literature, not program literature, but ancient li- literature really fits together for me. Uh, almost the same 
you know, it's all about my knowing God's will and having the power to carry it out. And all, all part of the same thing. And uh, for some people, it's totally different, but for me, it's, the, it's pretty much the same. Um, and I read about this king named Josiah that, uh, and I just started, I started crying, which doesn't happen often, but sometimes happens. Um, and I think the first part was because the, in, in, it said in his family, his ancestors had, uh, had sacrificed their sons and daughters to this, to this other god named Moloch and, um, but then he had just been totally determined, like unlike anyone else before or since, it said, to do God's will. And when I'm in my right mind, that second part, thank God, is is true for me that I that I really I know my life depends on it. I have it has to be has to be God's will. Um, and the but the first part, unfortunately, was true as well uh, that I. Uh, those of you who know my story, I, I grew up in a family that had uh, practiced Satan worship uh, for generations, and um, that—that's the root of my root of my sexaholism. Was being born into that kind of family, and, and it was all about lust in, in the worst, most destructive forms. Um, but, you know, violent, raping, torturing people, and, and mostly in a sexual fashion. Um, and, and in fact, first that happened to me. And as much as I, as much as I hated it, um, and, and was terrified and, um, gosh, I would have done anything in, in many ways to, to get out of that situation growing up. Um, in another sense, I, I liked it. I was hooked to it. Um, the lust was, uh, it, it, it just got a hold of me uh, from my earliest days. So I, I'm, how long have I been a sexaholic? Before I can remember infancy, at some point, um, and it was all the double life completely. Uh, more so, I think, than a lot of people. I think it's true for all of us, but even more so for me, that it just totally living a lie, total, total secrecy, because uh, myself and, and and my family were all going about seeming like, well, and on the surface, uh, you know, like like normal people, um, and. Um, I mean, like I was, yeah, and both my parents are professionals, have graduate degrees. Um, I was doing well in school. It's just that I was hating myself more and more. And, um, but more and more thinking, you know, just denying that more fervently all the time, it, becoming in, incredibly defensive. I mean, people just, uh, if, if even questioned that I had not even a defect, but that I even did something not totally right at any point, I, I just became enraged, um, totally unapproachable about anything. And uh, uh, because why? Because I actually believed not only that 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 was true, but in fact that I I hated myself. But I had to deny that. So you know, put up this front. And uh, to try to convince myself that I was perfect, the opposite, and uh, um, and that I had control of my life, and, um, and basically that I was my own god. I was, you know, calling my own shots and and doing whatever I wanted. Um, again, which was a lie, because the reality was more and more I was losing control of my life and it, my mind, my actions, every part of my being. Um, 
and then and then finally um, went to college and I had one experience. I, I had we had even gone to a to tell you the part of the extent of this double life uh, that was going on. We went to a uh, we had our Satan worship in private, but we had our we went to a church, a Christian church, uh, on Sundays, and um, even though I didn't, I, I didn't know God. So, so we went, we went there, and uh, eighty-two Christmas Eve, we're you know, like everyone else who goes to church, we're in church. Uh, it was the eleven o'clock service, and uh, the Hallelujah chorus was being sung, and we stood up, like everyone else, whenever that's whenever that's sung. But this time, I just, I almost, I almost collapsed in, in tears back in, back in the pew because I had this sense God just started speaking to me, you know, not, not in a hallucinatory sense, but, uh, in my mind the way He does and, uh, just telling me how much He loved me. I mean, it's just incredible and, and a sense of that, of actually feeling God's love for me. Uh, and that, in a sense, that he had he had some kind of special purpose for me, um, and I, I just couldn't believe it. My whole body was shaking, and tears streaming down my face because, and just the sense of reality of how I thought about myself was apparent there. You know that that I hated myself, therefore I couldn't believe that this was happening. Uh, how could God want to have anything to do with me, let alone have some kind of special purpose for me? Um, and I decided, gosh, I, I I probably would have followed anyone that that real that I knew accepted me at that point. Um, and so so I figured out, okay, let me figure out what God wants me to do here. Um, even though I still didn't really, you know, I hadn't made any decision to surrender my life to Him at that, or I didn't at that point. I, I still didn't really, I still didn't really know Him, but uh, but I wanted wanted to, I guess, and I wanted to do His will. And I, I decided that I'd. Uh, Go off to seminary, not not really understanding why or what I'd really do after that point. Um, but then next went through the last couple of years of college, did okay, got accepted to the seminary. Um, that almost dropped out the last minute. I mean, I was just, as the day came closer, I was just petrified. I mean, how am I gonna um, how am I gonna go there? Because I knew my my acting out. I acted. I didn't even try to cover up my acting out. I, I mean, some of it. Um, in my relationships uh, outside of marriage, um, and 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 I knew people wouldn't accept that, and uh, and I was always putting it in people's face too. People that I thought had anything against that, you know, um, forcing them basically to to judge me or to convince myself that they were judging me, and um. And so I'm just I wanted to do anything but to drop out, but I didn't know what else I would do. And I and I had already told everyone I knew that I was going. I feel like an idiot, so I, I I didn't really have a choice, and I went. And um, I tried. I, that's basically the way things went. Except as I tried to push everyone away, uh, there was one guy um, who I wasn't able to push away. And I, by the end of that first year, I, I realized that that. I, you know, this guy really, really liked me. I mean, um, and cared for me, even though he didn't agree with what I was doing and, and what I was saying much, much about me. 
And, um, and I shared, I shared with him that I, I remember that I had been sexually abused growing up. I shared that. Um, and, and right around that same time, I, I got, went into therapy. And then my life started to really fall apart because this, all the denial started coming down and, uh, um, within, and just incredible fear. I was afraid to go outside and, uh, nightmares, flashbacks, um, and, and just a sense that, a total sense of hopelessness that I was never going to be able to get out of this, this way that I was feeling. And this went on for a few months. <clears throat> this is 86 now, in, uh, 1986. And then, and then my, Second year in seminary, it's a three-year program started, and uh, and things just got worse again. And um, finally, I, then I got pneumonia. In November, uh, I got pneumonia. Um, I had this abscess wisdom tooth, and um, and but worst of all, this emotional pain just all just kind kind of came to a head at the same time. And I, I was just yeah, I mean, without hope. And and then I went to a session. Uh, I still remember it was uh, November 20th. It's one of the few journalings that I ever did was was what happened that night, so I, I, which is nice to have, even though it's kind of embarrassing to to read, you know, because um, thank God I'm I'm pretty different now than I was then. Uh, but but I went to this therapy session and 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 I agreed with my therapist that I I closed my eyes and I'd. Um, basically try to relive this time when I was raped when I was 13 um, and, and hoping, you know, in my mind, hoping that I'd be able to cry about it, whatever, get out some of the anger, the other feelings that I had. And um, so I kind of took a, took a deep breath and I, you know, closed my eyes and envisioned myself in this apartment where this had happened um, as a 13-year-old, this other guy. And and the tape started rolling in my mind, um, and it was pretty much the same way that it, that it had happened ten years before that, except this time, to my surprise, not not at all prompted by the therapist uh, or expected by me, I saw not only myself and this other guy, but there was I see this third person there in this scene. You know, he's uh, and as I in fact start to be sexually abused, he's. He, he's holding me um, and uh, crying for me, uh, and he's he's wearing he's wearing a white robe. And he has a beard, um, and this, again, this is I'm, the therapist isn't saying anything. I'm not saying anything. I'm just seeing this unfold with my eyes closed in my mind, and uh, um, and and throughout the whole thing. Yeah, so I'm. I'm raped just like I was when it happened, but this time, this figure, this uh, who I recognized as a uh, as a famous religious figure, um, <laughs> um, is is holding is holding me, um, and and it, and then I, and the sense that I had even beyond what I just said was that he was feeling my pain. I mean, he wasn't just, he wasn't just crying for me, but he actually was feeling it. Um, and, 
I think about 10 minutes went by, um, and then the, the scene, you know, ended. The tape stopped. And I, I opened my eyes, and my therapist looked at me kind of strangely, and finally suggested that I, that I go down the hall and look in a mirror. I said, why? And she said, because you look different. Um, and I, and so I went in, and I was, I was like, <laughs> like going like this, rubbing, rubbing my eyes, and, man, I do look weird. Um, but basically there was, there was life in my eyes, and there hadn't been, um, I mean, I was just a dead person in so many ways. I, I couldn't even, um, couldn't even feel uh, touch much at all, uh, um, let alone anything emotionally. And, um, and, and now I could. I mean, just instantly like that. And of course, I thought it was the final step that I was now cured and, and, uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, that would be the end of it because I still didn't have any 12 step program and, and I had been, I, I had used just about everything, uh, yeah. most, most of all lust, but alcohol, other drugs, food, um, were my main things. And, uh, um, but now I was on this incredible pink cloud. Uh, my, my drinking just gradually got less over the next year and a half before it stopped altogether. My, um, my acting out ended, um, about three, two months later with other people. Um, January of 87, I, I acted out for the last time to this day with another person, but, um, and I even gave up masturbation for, um, a couple months after that for, for, for about two months. I, I, I decided that I, uh, would, I wanted to give, I just was so filled with gratitude that I wanted to give God the greatest gift I could give Him, kind of make the biggest sacrifice I could make. And I, and right away, oh, I'll stop masturbating. You know, that would be the biggest, uh, <laughs> the biggest thing. Um, and actually, like I said, I actually stopped for two months. Um, and then rationalized it, um, and went back to it about twice a day. Um, but I, I was, Yeah, my life was was definitely changed from from that moment. Um, and and I started just thank God I, I continued in therapy, and then about a year or so after that, got into my first twelve step program. Um, and I cut off cut off ties with my with my family and, and started to build healthier relationships in general. Um, broke off the relationship with the woman that I'd been acting out with. Um, and let me just say that I also had acted out, I, I, basically every form you can think of, I'd acted out with uh, with men, with animals, with children, um, through voyeurism, exhibitionism. Um, what else is there? <laughs> uh, and, and of course with myself. Um, but I, you know, I'd substitute. It was just all, as long as I was acting out some way, that was okay. But I didn't, I didn't usually masturbate if I was acting out with another person, you know. And, and that, of course, helped my desi- my denial that I could stop some one of those things for a while, um, as long as I had a substitute. So, but anyway, finally, I went into I, I 
stopped like was a first time winner, quote unquote, in, in a couple other programs, um, by God's grace to this day. And then and then in September of ninety, it was around I guess it was around the twelfth of September of nineteen ninety, I uh, I had just started an eleven step time, a daily eleven step time. And uh uh was through because of my other couple other programs. And I was kneeling beside my bed um, and praying at the beginning of the day, and and the thought comes into my mind that I need to stop masturbating. And I, I just kind of ignored it and went about my day and, and acted out like I usually did. Um, but the next day, though, I'm I'm kneeling beside my bed again, and um, the thought comes in. I mean, really clear even more clear than the day before that this is God's will for me to stop masturbating. And I thought about it for a couple of seconds and all these things just raced through my mind and basically a sense that I better not think about this because this is, as my last form of, of acting out, this is going to be like ripping out my heart. That's the, the way it seemed. Um, and... But so I didn't think about it. I just said, "Okay, God, help me not to masturbate today." You know, it's like I, I pushed that reality out of my mind and just went ahead and, and prayed for God's will. Try not to think about the implications, and uh, but I didn't. I, they went by, and I didn't. I didn't act out. Um, so I, you know, I, I had learned this through the other the other fellowships. You know, pray for God to keep you sober, right, for that day. That and that's how I and so. The next day, I did the same thing. Down on my knees, pray, God, please help me not to masturbate today. And um, and I didn't. And so I did it the third day, and I didn't. This this went on for about for about two weeks, and and again, I'm on this incredible pink cloud. I mean, I'm uh, compared to the way I had been, I was free. Now looking back on it, I was still totally a slave to lust, right? But in comparison, this was incredible freedom to what I'd always known. My whole life, I'd never known anything different. Uh, and so I'm just filled with joy, and, and I just keep praying, and I'm not, and not acting out. And this goes on for about um, two months, two and a half months. And around Thanksgiving time, then I, then I knew that it was God's will for me to, uh, to get into some sort of fellowship related to to this addiction um, because I knew something about the difference between sobriety and recovery and I wasn't changing right just because I put the plug in the jug and uh, um, but that was there's no way I was gonna I did not have any willingness to get into a fellowship about this because if I'd walk in there if everyone would be dressed in a trench coat you know and <laughs> and uh, there's just no way. And besides, I, you know, they weren't nearly as sick as I was. And, uh, <laughs> um, I mean, the other way I said that wrong. I wasn't nearly as sick as they were. Um, and, uh, um, just a lot of denial. But I, I knew the shame that I had about my whole sexual history. That, that was, but that's what I knew, you know, that I had to, why, why I had to do something about it. But I wasn't willing. But when I, I had enough insight spiritually, I guess, that I that I knew when I said no that things were going to get real difficult for me. 
Um, and they did. Uh, within two weeks, I was, it was just all back. All the lust was just back on me. Um, left thing after, there was a woman I was having an emotional affair with, but in denial of that at the time. I was lusting after her eight-year-old daughter, and just so strongly that I just figured it's got to be obvious um, to everyone else that saw it. I don't know if it was or not, but um, and just hating myself because of that again, and and um, in physical pain just throughout my whole body, the the, the tension um, of being filled with lust, but but not willing to. I I just was not an option for me to act out. Um, so I was, I was crazy. And, uh, instead, um, and so, so I finally realized, well, since it's not an act, an option to act out, uh, I don't have a choice. And I called up, um, someone from another, one of the other fellowships, because I didn't, well, I'd actually had heard something about SA, and it actually suggested that someone go there a couple years before, but, <laughs> but, <laughs> um, but hadn't, uh, I don't think I even knew where I'd put that information and, and, you know, it kind of went out of my mind. So I started this other S program, went to this meeting, um, knew I identified in a lot of ways, um, with the, with the acting out, um, but didn't feel at, at home, uh, in another sense. And on the way, on the way back from the meeting, the guy who was giving me a ride said, well, you know, there's, there's four different, now I think there's five, but there's, he said there's four different 12 step programs related to this addiction, uh, right here in New Jersey, where I was living at the time. Um, and he said, you know, this one is this way, and this one is that way. And, and then there's, and then there's essay, Sexaholics Anonymous, and, and, uh, you know, they're, they're real rigid. Um, they, they, uh, you can't even you can't even have sex unless you're married to the person, and 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 you're not allowed to masturbate either, and uh, <laughs> um, and and I'm just like nodding my head, but but inside, um, I'm going yes, uh, because I knew that was that was God's will for me, and and um, so I dug out the information, and then I called, just called the church. I tried to call the contact person, um, but didn't get any answer. The one that I had on the information I got in a couple of years before for essay, when I found it, um, didn't get an answer. And later found out he had he had died of AIDS, um, but he had died sober about five or six years. And, and um, so I just so I ended up just calling the church, and but I never got a hold of anyone there. So I just went to the town because I didn't even know how to get to the church. And, and stopped and eventually got directions to the church and I walked in late um, and I was terrified um, and in fact for the next several months I always went in late and I always left the second that it ended um, just fear of uh, what people are going to think of me what they're going to do to me but I shared that first meeting because of my fear um, I actually shared a fair amount it, it, my fear was so great, I had to know how people were going to respond. You know, if they didn't, whether if it wasn't obvious that they accepted me, then I would never come back. And, uh, um, I, but they, you know, they didn't really say much of anything, like people always do in meetings, and, and except at the end, they say, keep coming back. 
Uh, and a couple of guys shook my hand before I could rush out. And um, so I kept going back because even though I was terrified, I I knew that was home for me. Um, and and then I just kept working the program almost right away. I, I had more sobriety than anyone else in the meeting, you know, because I had had because <laughs> I had been over three months since I had actually acted out. Um, and so that was kind of strange. But I had and I had a lot of denial. I was. Uh, I think I was about nine months over before I realized that that there was something wrong and, and not sober about the fact that that every night when I was going to bed uh, I was lusting as much as I possibly could, filling filling my mind with um, with you know fantasy um, it, dreams of acting out, hoping that I would have a wet dream. Um, because you see, that was that was okay. That was that, that was part of sobriety. I wasn't I wasn't doing anything. Um, about it was about yeah, close to nine months over before I finally realized no, there's that's really not quite the way I want to do it, and and what the program's about. Um, and I didn't have a, a sponsor until I was like 13 months over. And meanwhile, I was continuing this emotional affair. I mean, no, you know, nothing physical about it, but but definitely an emotional affair. Um, and that was one of the two hardest things I had to deal with in sobriety to this point was, uh, severing that. I just totally, um, this woman had, in a sense, with my boss, in another sense, she was working for me, in another sense, we were co-authoring a book, in another sense, we were good friends, and, it, um, and I, you can see how I just totally wrapped her uh, around me or myself around her, and, uh, and so from the time when I finally, with my sponsor's help, I mean, this was an agonizing thing. It was about five months before I finally just wrote her a letter that said, so-and-so, it's over. It's due. And, um, uh, and then, and then a year from then before I finally was free from it, you know, from all the entanglements. Um, but I had, you know, I had taken care of. the two hardest things I had to deal with um, around that same time you know this is when I was like yeah just over a year sober um, I uh, before I was a year sober I, I started dating someone I dated her for two months and, uh, from like five to seven months of sobriety and is, is this a miracle we didn't act out I mean it, it was very so sick in fact that her son tried to kill me uh, with a knife to her 12 year old son um, and, and so at the end of that um, I realized okay I have to do you know like everyone else, the program tells everyone else at least a year without any relationships I mean you hear that in AA and, and I think it says somewhere in our literature uh, if it's true yeah I know it does about relationships if relationships are, are really effective for, for alcoholics how much more so for us so um so I finally accepted that, and so I, I made a commitment to go a year from that point without dating anyone. And the first few months it was easy because I was just happy to get out of the last sick one, you know, that I'd been in. Uh, but then it was impossible. I, I don't know how I. Oh, it's just God's grace. I mean, I just it was impossible. This compulsion. It wasn't even about you know because I had given up my right to have sex outside of marriage. It, it wasn't. 
I mean, that was always back there, you know, but, but the, on the forefront, it wasn't about sex for me, my compulsion to date. It was just that I had to have someone, you know, I had to possess this person and, um, to make, just to make me whole just by their presence and, and their contact with me. Um, and yeah, it was just a moment at a time. Uh, and finally, by, by about the time the year was ending, I, I, I you know, basically finally surrendered at that point. Um, and, and God brought someone into my life that I became engaged to in 93, but, di- but it didn't work. We didn't get married. But we didn't act out the whole time. Engagement, we never had sex, uh, in any form, by God's grace. Then 95, I became engaged again. We never got married. And, uh, but we never had sex. And, um, and then in 97, um, this was an, an incredible blessing happened. Uh, not only the fact that I, that I, uh, got married for the first time, but to a, a wonderful woman that's my greatest, greatest, God's greatest blessing to me, and also God's greatest challenge to me. Um, but, uh, uh, but I had been sent over to Europe, and I didn't know where exactly I'd be going, um, and, and I didn't even, you know, whether there'd be meetings there or not, I just had a sense that, um, that God was going to take care of me. He was going to give me what I needed. I just need to be willing to take it in order to stay sober. Which is pretty amazing, you know, for me, because I had lived in fear my whole life. It's still my most crippling defect, fear. Um, and so I went to, to Germany, but I was only there three weeks, and I got sent to Hungary uh, for three and a half months. And there isn't any essay in Hungary, but... My first day there, I was there about 12 hours when I found out there was an AA meeting in the same building where I was working. And, and I went there and, and just a couple people and, and then one guy, uh, shared his whole sharing. One, in fact, one time after I'd been there a little bit, uh, it was just me and this one other guy at this, at this AA meeting. And his whole sharing was about, he's a slave, a slave to lust and acting out. Um, and, and so I just went ahead and, and told him about myself and, uh, never saw him again, but, but that, that didn't really matter. <laughs> yeah, um, you know, it was a typical, oh yeah, yes, I'll do anything. You know, he's saying, um, I'll, I'll do, do anything. Yes, I definitely want to meet you again. You know, yes, I need this. And I said, well, you know, most of the time people say that they'll do anything and they really don't follow through. No, no, I won't do it. And I never saw him again, but, um, uh, but then, and then I went back to Germany for three more months, and this was right at the end of '96. And I'm working in the town that has a reputation for having the best SA in Germany, the strongest SA meeting in all of Germany. This, this is where I'm, uh, where I'm put for the next three months with my job, and uh, ah, what a blessing! I, I, I just, just thinking about it every time. Um, it's just so, gosh, I, you know, I could start crying about it. Um, because they, they're just, it's this wonderful fellowship and, uh, they spoke, they spoke English just for me. 
Um, and, uh, um, right before I left, one of them had a birthday party and, and we're all over, uh, at her house and just fellowship. And, you know, my last meeting, um, many of us were in tears and just, just thinking about it. And the reason that, that was besides the, just what happened, that it was such a blessing for me as a breakthrough in the sense that to that, to that day, I had, I didn't know if it was God's will for me to be an SA. I mean, I'm sure that sounds ridiculous, except maybe some of you can identify. Um, but, you know, I, I would say, like, well, I, the vote's about 51-49 here that, that I should be in this, that's God's will for me to be an SA. So I, so I, you know, I went with that, thank God, and, uh, and I, uh, kept going and, and, and working the program and, but I just never had a, in many ways didn't have a piece about it. And it was mostly for religious reasons that, um, you know, that I was afraid that I'd be led down the wrong path spiritually because it's not, uh, any particular persuasion, the fellowship. And, uh, um, and so, but then this is what, that's what this experience going over to Europe and what happened is what ended the argument for me. I've never had any fears about it since then. It's just so obvious that it was God's will for me to be a part of this fellowship. Um, uh, my sponsor and I um, started a meeting. I don't remember when it, when it was now. I, I 96? 97? 5, 95. Um, in, in, uh, Eastern PA. And, uh, that was just, he's just been an incredible blessing. Um, and, and the meeting's been a blessing. And, um, unfortunately I've moved to another state. I'm in Georgia now. Um, but that's okay. Got some good people down there too. Um, but the meeting has grown and it's just, it's just, Basically, I've just been moved around. I've been in meetings in Washington, D.C. area. I lived there for a summer. I've been out in the Pittsburgh area. I lived there for almost a year. I started in New Jersey. had several years there and, and in eastern PA. Now I'm down in Georgia. Like I said, over in Germany. Um, so it, the, it's neat to get to be part of the fellowship uh, wherever I go. Um, the biggest... The biggest point, though, um, I, I guess it's just I need gratitude to God. My my top plate at this moment. Actually, I'm doing quite well. Um, but I was sharing last night that I that I sometimes feel um, just kind of down, and, I, and I'm not really totally sure why. Um, and, and yet, and yet, a big part of my heart has gratitude. Um, just for what God's done and, and it's just a blessing to be here. I'll stop there. Thanks for listening. I'm five minutes. Okay, well, thank you very much, Stu. I really appreciate it. And, uh, uh, we could close with the uh, serenity prayer. Make a circle in the room. Close with the serenity prayer. 
would like to thank you for listening to this episode of The Daily Reprieve, the best source for experience, strength, and hope for SA members. Please subscribe to this podcast to be alerted of new episodes. Please show your support by donating to The Daily Reprieve by going to donate.thedailyreprieve.com and choosing either monthly donations or a one-time donation by clicking Donate Now. Thank you for listening, and stay tuned for the next episode of The Daily Reprieve.